Section 14 of The Desirable Alien at Home in Germany by Violet Hunt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 13 Grand Dukes and Gypsies. On entering a little German town, the capital may be of some small German principality, a dukedom, or an electorate of the past, I always find myself thinking of some lines of Browning's. Ours is a great wild country. If you climb to our castle's top, I don't see where your eye can stop. For when you've passed the cornfield country, where vineyards leave off, flocks are packed, and sheep range leads to cattle tract, and cattle tract to open chase, and open chase to the very base of the mountain, where, at a funeral pace, Round about, solemn and slow, one by one, row after row, up and up the pine trees go, so like black priests up, and so down on the other side again, to another, greater, wilder country that's one vast red rear burnt-out plain, branched through and through with many a vein whence irons dug and coppers dealt. Look right, look left. Look straight before. Beneath they mine, above they smelt copper ore and iron ore, and forge and furnace, mould and melt and so on, more and ever more, till at the last for a bounding belt comes the salt sand hoar of the great seashore. And the whole is our duke's country. My people used to read that aloud to me as a child. And I, except for the first and last lines of the bit I have quoted, understood nothing. They began slowly, worked up the agony gradually, and ended with a sort of triumphant lilt, as if it were a cock-robin story with the dramatic culmination, accompanied by a final gesture, a hoist of the knee, a clapping of the palms together, or any poignant touch that may aid the child mind in a kindergartenish way to appreciate the recitation took place in the studio i could rest my eyes on a watercolour drawing of my father's which had i been old enough to distinguish the features of it from the colours would have shown me just such a country as browning described there in the foreground stands schloss elz the famous spot in the valley of the mosel a feudal fortress with moat, barbican, portcullis, and all the rest of it. The vineyards that the poet speaks of wind up to the summit and clothe the rampart with their verdure, but the brownish stone defences of the castle are plainly visible. Over the brow of the moor, breaking the skyline in the picture, are the first faint signs, the picture was painted in 1860, of the industrial and engineering development of Germany. On the escarpment of the stone quarry of the neighbouring hill, the grey smoke faintly stains the pellucid sky and adumbrates the fires of Essen. For there, in 1860, was already established the little colliery, the forerunner of the, quote, drear red burnt-up plain, unquote, that industry has made out of a garden, quote, beneath they mine, above they smelt, unquote. 
and our duke is there today just as much a king or prince as ever except that the kaiser has opened his fist and taken away the sinews of war and sneaked the executive from him at s dash the herzog's retainers are by way of being handymen about the place they garden and empty buckets and wait at table dividing the work between them or sometimes going over in a body to one particular employment as the exigencies of much state and few pence to keep it up with may dictate and in the embrasures of the castle rampart on the tiny plaats that maintains a greybeard in a sentry-box or a master of the horse in regimentals stand the poor little cannon that the lord of p may not fire off except to frighten the crows from his vines footnote i regret to observe that our author here drops into the insular nonsense that distinguishes the english attitude towards the german princes a german reigning prince king or grand duke has an establishment regulated by protocol which he is just as much bound to keep up as any other sovereign and which is provided for in the usual way by a civil list the mediatized princes on the other hand are private gentlemen many of them extremely wealthy some poor but all of them living as they please they are distinguished from ordinary mortals by the fact that they are tronfege that is to say capable of marrying reigning sovereigns without the union being morganatic such a family as that of tech many of these mediatized princes have the right to support a small number of armed men in uniform for the protection of their residences from burglars and i suppose it was the sight of such a seneschal a penchant of butler armed with a muzzle-loading gun at the gate of the castle of s that moved our author to her singular views as to the employment of the servants of german noblemen the old gentleman with the muzzle-loading gun would never do anything more active for the remainder of his life than take a tip for all the world like a similar functionary at the duke of northumberland's castle of annick for showing visitors the exceedingly horrible picture gallery j l f m h at braubach on the rhine in some respects the most perfect reminder of those days after you have mastered a hill that tries the tendons of your knees to desperation you top up the fatigues of the ascent by crossing the drawbridge and toiling up the steep flight of steps which for the sake of modern convenience have replaced the almost perpendicular way into the courtyard the lord of braubach and his knights returning a weary and foredone from the raid of the foray used to have to ascend this passage riding still on their horses before they could enter into their impregnability there is the castle well the only source of water in a siege and the great bakehouse where the stores of flour probably laid in before the castle's belly arose were made into bread for the garrison bread and water german ritters fighters in a small way had often to be content with such fear for many a long month and in quote, the chamber next an anteroom is the rittersaal we see now 
lived in as a rule full of what browning used to tell me he cordially admired quote, grandiose unquote, furniture the suits of family armour of all periods and not all fake stand idly round it is the room in which the dukes have died quote, breathing the breath of page or groom unquote, since all time like the father of browning's corrupt hero quote, in a velvet suit with a gilt glove on his hand and his foot in a silken shoe for a leather boot petticoated like a herald unquote. he probably had gout which is not at all a modern disease and his descendant the fainéant hero of the poem though quote, corrupted with foreign travel unquote, paris and so on harks back and yearns towards the customs of his ancestors so he starts in to quote, revive all usages though worn out unquote, and hunts up old books to find out the way among other customs of a hunting party as practised in the middle ages he quote, gathers up woodcraft's authentic traditions to encourage your dog now the properest chirrup or best prayer to st hubert on mounting your stirrup unquote. the duke's tailor quote, has a hot time on't unquote. and finally the haughty little duchess quote, no bigger than a white crane unquote, has her proper function discovered for her quote, when horns wind a mort and the deer is at siege let the dame of the castle prick forth on her jennet and with water to wash the hands of her liege in a clean ewer with a fair toweling let her preside at the disembowelling the duchess refuses and the duke turns the recalcitrant wife over to his august and terrible mother riding out of the courtyard on his way to conduct the ceremony alone he meets the usual band of gypsies who wish him luck with low cunning he sends the gypsy queen into the house to teach his bride her duty the result is contrary to his expectation it gives browning a fine opportunity for a tirade the opportunity of using some queer recondite knowledge he seems to have possessed about this mysterious race and to disclose a genuine sympathy and understanding of their genius he uses it again in the story of the pied piper of hamelin now says the old german body servant who's supposed to be browning's informant of these doings quote, in your land gypsies reach you only after reaching all lands beside north they go south they go trooping or lonely and still as they travel far and wide catch they and keep they a trace here a trace there that puts you in mind of a place here a place there but with us i believe they rise out of the ground unquote. with us that is in germany and according to browning just in the same sudden way did the wonderful piper erupt into the rathaus at hamelin where the fat self-sufficient burgomasters sat and sat and deliberated over their deadly need at the door comes in the quote, gentle tap and in he wanders the legendary figure the model of all wandering sages and nomadic geniuses gringoire pierre gint shelley the scholar gypsy quote, 
his queer long coat from heel to head was half of yellow and half of red and he himself was tall and thin with sharp blue eyes each like a pin and light loose hair yet swarthy skin no tuft on cheek nor beard on chin but lips where smiles went out and in there was no guessing his kith and kin unquote. the pied piper was only another gypsy as the gypsy crone who bewitched the duchess irresponsible kind capricious and revengeful and endowed with those mysterious powers of the single-minded and single-hearted of all nations powers which the enforced franciscan virtues of the beggar the rover the proscribed served to develop in the old days i imagine romance stalked the lonely roads and dangerous highways incorporated in figures like these derelicts of man's injustice or intellects before their time wandering into smug german dorfs and english villages by way of tartary and asia men of roving unconquerable dispositions fortified and embittered perhaps by some deep sense of injustice and carrying in their breasts a secret bond made with themselves to work out a revenge on the society that has misused them the gypsy crone slavishly promises to give the lady a thorough good frightening but once her sympathies are engaged she betrays the injurious taskmaster and goes off on her own tack in the lady's presence quote, her ignoble mien was wholly altered she shot up a full head in stature ellipsis as if age had foregone its usurpature unquote. she declaims quote, and so at last we find my tribe, and so I set thee in the midst. I trace them, the vein and the other vein, that meet on thy brow and part again, making our rapid mystic mark. And then, as mid the dark, a gleam of yet another morning breaks, and like the hand which ends the dream, death, like the might of his sunbeam, touches the flesh, and the soul awakes then unquote. ah then the gypsy has bewitched the duchess and away they go together and that other gypsy the pied piper defrauded of his just wages for the extermination of the plague of rats by the parsimonious town council what is his wild cruel and irresponsible revenge the revenge of a wild, untutored, unchastened being, half animal, half human. Quote, Once more he stepped into the street, and to his lips again laid his long pipe of smooth, straight cane. And ere he blew three notes, such sweet, soft notes, as yet musicians' cunning never gave the enraptured air. Unquote. And followed by all their sons and daughters, he turned not, as in the case of the rats, to where, quote, the vasa rolled its waters, but to the Koppelberg hill, which opened and swallowed all the youth of Hamelin but one, unquote. I suppose he relented, being after all an artist and half human, as these persons who live in our dull, sensible mediocrity generally are, 
Let the world thank God for them. These moral lynch lawyers, who take upon themselves to execute poetic justice and teach us in the crabbed words of the artist who invented the hero of the Hamlin legend, to, quote, be wipers of scores out of all men, especially pipers, unquote. The word pipers, standing for precisely the kind of irresponsible being whom, if he is a musician, we invite into our houses to make music for us and decline to pay, or the man who writes the books we read with avidity, while allowing the author who cannot choose but write to starve in a garret. Browning had German blood in him on his mother's side and spent a good deal of his youth in Germany. Of course, he visited Hamlin in the 30s. Was the legend of the Pied Piper already a full-blown commercial asset, or did he give it its value on that side? When he walked along, as we did, from the railway station to, quote, Hamlin town by famous Hanover City, did he look into the shop windows all the way he went, full of every conceivable form of exploitation of the legend? Rat penwipers? Gingerbread rats with beady currant eyes? Picture postcards representing the scene with a Pied Piper, singularly like Mr. F. R. Benson, followed either by his rabble of rats or troop of beautiful, eager children. And did he come to the very rat house where the ignoble civic body of Hamlin deliberated, and on to where the Vesa rolls, spanned now by a modern bridge, studded with craft and with great coaling barges moored under its banks? Surely somewhere in the distance is the Koppelberg Hill, in whose sides the mysterious portal opened to rake in its living tribute. Alas, alas for Hamlin. End of section 14